If you turn your Bibles to John, uh, Matthew chapter, sorry, just because John was there, I must have thought, Matthew chapter 6. I'll read for verse 25. I'll read it and then say a few things. The title of this message is, Look Out the Window. In the last week, we spoke on storing up treasures in heaven, how to deal diligently in God's kingdom with finances and putting a portion to help local churches, to help the kingdom of God that operates with kingdom power, but yet still needs financial giving, reliant upon the members of God's church. And as we do that, we are storing up for ourselves wealth that will never, treasures that will never be affected by rust or moths or thieves. And because of that, that, this is what Jesus speaks on next. And it's about worry. I'll just read it, then I'll say a few things. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. He says, open the window. Look outside. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, as John already touched on, already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. He doesn't say, then I care about these things. Or then I give them a second thought. He said, then I worry. The, the message is really clear. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Why worry? Then I let your heart be dominated by the worry or the care of natural food, water, and clothing. He says that can all the worries and anxieties add to anything? Is it a solution for anything? Does it add to your life? And medical research would say, no, it doesn't add. It could take a while for your life. You live in continual anxieties about these things, then it can affect your mind, which can affect your body. And I would say this, a moment of transparency. This isn't something in severe anxiety. I would say everybody in here at some point in their life have been worried about something. Is that fair to say? That there's a general moments in our life, we get the bad news, finances go down, and there's, a, there's an anxiety moment, there's a worry moment. But a few months ago, 
I would say that in general, I, I've had that in my life. But a few months ago, I felt it more than ever in my life. And I had heard other people's stories about being crippled by anxiety, that they couldn't sleep and stuff like that. And I'd heard these stories, but it wasn't until a few months ago that just worries about the morn, like fits the future got, me, the family, anxieties, so much that I couldn't sleep at night. I have these wonderful youngsters about, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you anything. But you'll hear your own story, and I can this. It says in Psalms that God grants His children sleep. If I'm up at night worrying about stuff, that's near godly. And that's near carrying the peace of God. And it's an avalanche that happens that you bite a whack, and you think, and you wrestle with these things, and then you lose some sleep, and then you get up in the morning, Am I getting up in the morning in a bad mood or a good mood after a night of wrestling anxieties? Bad mood. And you turn to the coffee and you need a double shot. It doesn't solve nothing. There's this avalanche in your soul and in your mind. And as I say, this is, I'm not somebody that's an expert in the field or I didn't claim my head suffered with this for years upon years like maybe some of you have. But it was like the dark night of the soul. Never getting answers, only getting anxious. And it's wearisome, and it's tiresome, and it's demonic. And it was like the claws, the only way I can describe it is like dark claws getting into your soul and in your mind. And it was anxiousness and it was turmoil, and then I googled, or how I tried to put myself at ease, I just couldn't shock it. Can anybody relate to here in that moment, that you're looking for some answers, there doesn't seem to be any answers, you're just worried about stuff out with your control. It's coming up for Christmas, a great time of rejoicing for most. But this is also a time that people can feel the bite of anxiousness more than most. You we We've got this perfect picture of Christmas. Abdi's together. Abdi's got plenty. Abdi's enjoying themselves. Abdi's got people around the table. Abdi's got food around the table. Abdi's drinking schlor. Abdi's drinking their mulled wine. Abdi's got other people they want to see around the table. The kids have got the gifts they wanted. They've got the iPads and iWatches and all them stuff, and that's a perfect picture of Christmas, but that's not Abdi's picture of Christmas. Some people, as they approach this season, start thinking the bells are getting bigger, my kid is asking for us, I can't afford that. You've got to realize, do not put yourself in unnecessary debt for people that love you anyway. You hear me? That's life lessons. Because the stuff we can sort of throw money at unnecessarily, within a year or two it will end up, God willing, in the charity shop, the powerhouse shop, if we can mark a few pounds on it. Can I get an amen? Right? Your kids will love you anyway. And we need to be good stewards towards finances and kids 
and family, but sometimes we approach this thinking, it would be better if I was loaded. This season would be better. Am I right, Isabel? Now, I'm the centrist. I'm the one cars through the door with loads of money in it. But this season would be better if I had a million quid in the bank. And we approach this. Somebody's looking for plenty, but sometimes it's lacking. Worry, worry, worry. But fit is Jesus' saying. He says, I tell you, do not worry. If the only thing you get in your spirit before you leave here is this simple words, that's job done. He's telling his followers, do not worry. Sometimes we have plenty of faith that Jesus died on the cross for me, my eternal salvation is secure, yet we walk this life with the worries and cares of the world upon our shoulders. But Jesus is saying through this Sermon on the Mount, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, life is more than food. Your body more than clothing. And then he says as provision. Look at the birds. He could have said, grab your Bible, look through that 66 books, look at all the stories, look how I looked after Abraham. Look how I caused him to prosper. You look through that 66 books. Is there anybody in that books of the Bible that God has let down and they're provided for? He knew Abraham is a friend. God caused them to prosper. He knew Isaac. He knew Jacob. He caused Joseph to prosper in a pit. And then eventually the palace. God's got a good reputation for looking after his people. He could have said, look to David. Look through the, the old covenant. Look how even I looked after David. Look how I cared for Elijah in a time of drought. He sent the ravens to feed him. But he said this instead. Open up your window and look at the birds. He didn't even need an education. He didn't need a Biblical doctrine. He didn't need a theology class. Jesus says it's very simple. And I mark it's very simple for you. Got your back, eh? If you've got a back gilding, or good for a walk, and here I'll look it up tweeting birds. I was up this morning and went out for a walk as the sun was coming up. Birds are happy, eh? They sing a joyful song. It's like a chorus to their maker. It doesn't look to me as though birds are walking up in the morning thinking about provision, worrying about fit comes next. Jesus isn't advocating laziness just to sit back, relax, God will take care of it, watch your TV programs. He's saying, look at the birds. They go in the morning, they come out in their nest, they get to work, they don't plant, 
They didn't go about with seeds, planting it, thinking, okay, hopefully I'll come back in a few months' time. They didn't nip to West to get a little packet of apple seeds or orange seeds or cucumbers and think, right, I'll go and plant it. They've got no mechanism. They haven't got hands to tell the ground to go and plant some stuff. They haven't got the capacity to think as great as we think. But Jesus says, open up your window. If you're having a moment of worry and anxiety, you just look to this little Tweety Bird and see if it goes on in their lives. They didn't plant. They didn't harvest. They hadn't got a combine harvester. They hadn't got bags for ticken, and we're going to Tesco bags for life, and we'll keep some for later. No mechanisms to harvest or store food. They hadn't got a fridge in their little nest. They hadn't got a freezer to freeze things for later. They hadn't got a cupboard to put their tinnies or seeds and worms. They've got none of what. And then it says, for your heavenly Father feeds them and provides for them. And if you look to the birds, is it obvious that your heavenly Father is feeding them? Well, maybe no. I mind if I was supposed to be listening to my English teacher, Mrs. Beveridge. <laughs> and in the English corridor you sat in there, there's a grassy slope. So I should have been listening if it Mrs. Beveridge had to say. But it used to be, used to see the scurries. Just used to walk along there. I was more interested in the scurries. And you'd see them with their, their little feet. And they would do a little rain dance. There's nothing, the best school, I would say, is the school of life. I learned a lot more for observing than I am in a classroom. Amen, Andra. You can't if I'm speaking about the school of life. Get out, get dubby, light a fiery, you'll learn. Sorry, teachers. We do believe in classrooms as well. For the teachers, walk out. And, uh, you've got to get better things, right? Get a good education. But the school of life, anyway, right? They just used to do a little dance. And I used to wonder, why are they doing the dance? And they do the dance to pretend to the worms that it's actually raining. So that when the worms hear with their little lugs or feel, patter, 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 they think, wow, it's raining. I'm going to go up. So then the worm pops up its head. Big mistake. Because then there's a bird there. To me, it looked as though the bird was feeding itself. But Jesus says, look, God's providence, our the cosmos, just look at the cycle of life. And sometimes birds get fed by hard work and pitter-patter, and sometimes you go to your work and you're stomping your feet and God's provision. Sometimes it's fed through seeds and things that grow. Sometimes people open up their back door and throw bundles aloft. You're not supposed to do for a scurries. Some might do it. And they usually do it after you've washed your car. 
And then the scholars come, and then you have to wash your car again. Sometimes it's fair through the hand of people. But Jesus is saying, look, through faith, have faith that God has ordained the cosmos. And he's put birds within the cosmos. Look at how your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at how he takes care of them. Look at how he's ordained things and put things in place that they didn't need to plant, they didn't need to harvest, that they've never got storage mechanism, but they get looked after. And God wants us to open up the window and have spiritual eyes and say, if I'm here in a moment, I worry about earthly things, look through faith if it God does with the little birds of the air. And you think, but my life, you might go to work, you might be employed, you get money in the bank, you spend it. So you might think, well, hey, I work hard, that's my money. God doesn't feed me, I feed myself. But I think Jesus would say, look to the birds, through faith, God feeds them. God has given you a capacity and a capability through faith. If it wasn't so, He gives us breath in our lungs. He gives us destiny. He gives us brains. He gives equipment like a nest, a bird would jump out a nest. If you have the capacity, you can leave the house. God ordained. You can put your hands to work like a bird. You go back to the nest. You can feed your family. And God has promised to provide for you. Christ is wanting us to get the revelation. Then I worry. Then I worry. Then I worry. Then I be anxious. He's a provider. And then he says us, possession. I'm not sure if you believe us. Hopefully you do before we leave. Look at the bars that don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. He will provide for you. Do you believe that? Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they? Are you, if your heavenly Father feeds, cares for the little bars of the air, He's ordained things so they could go, they could eat, and they could come back. They could provide for their little, little chickens or little birdies. And Jesus says, if he does that for them, how more valuable, how more valuable are you to God than them? Now, the question is, do you believe you are valuable in God's sight. Do you believe that? If you believe you are more valuable in God's sight than birds, then you have got to believe that God has got your back. Jesus never died. I think I'm right and shed his blood for the salvation of the birdies. Jesus thinks you're so amazing, so wonderful. So great 
This is not prosperity teaching. This is Jesus saying, you are valuable to God. He came and paid the ultimate price for you at Calvary. He shed his blood for you to be part of his family forevermore. You are made in God's image. He never said that about the birds. He says about humanity, I formed you, I knitted you together in your mother's womb before you even came into being. I knew you. You're loved. We are never last in love. And the hell message of the gospel is that Jesus came to rescue you. Because he doesn't want you gone our lost eternity, that he wants you to be with him forevermore. That's how much value he places on you as an individual. He didn't come and die for the robins, for the sparrows. Oh, he looks after him. But how much more is he committed to you? You're his valued, treasured possession. He rejoices, how are you? We singing. His love is steadfast. His love is sure. Are you more valuable to him than a bird? Are you? It's a question. Are you more valuable? I mean, I can spend the next half an hour trying to convince us, but if you don't want a really long meeting, just agree with me. Are you more valuable to Jesus than about? Boom. Well, he'll look after you, won't he? Why worry? He's already promised to look after you. But sometimes the cares of the world, we can think of the what ifs, the worries. If this happens, if that happens, if I've got mere days at the end of the month, then paycheck at the end of the month. If it happens, if that doesn't align, if it happens about my pension, if it happens about the shares, if it happens about investments, if it happens about health worries, if it happens about the doctors, results for the doctors, if it happens if my blood sugars is now right, my cholesterol is now right, if it happens about blood pressure, if it happens, if it happens, if it happens about the morn, if it happens about my family, what if, what if, what if, and it's about time we realize about stop dwelling on the what if and the who is. If you, if you are, you think, oh, what if, what if, what if, it's got a DNA good. You need to remind yourself who is. Who has got you? Your heavenly Father. That's who. The majestic Holy One. The creator of our humanity. The whole cosmos to create the beginning for the end, whose name is the great I Am. He's the one, if you believe in him, you call Heavenly Father. That's what's got me. That's what's fighting in my corner. Come what may, we need to stomp on the what-ifs and remind our what-ifs. Hey, whatever happens, God's promise is sure. 
He will care and look after us. Why worry? And then fits a solution. He says, so don't worry about these things, and what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear, are the what ifs, what, what will happen? These things dominate the lies, the thoughts of unbelievers. When end, we ask the pursuit. Jesus is saying this, if you do not believe in God, in Jesus, then the likelihood is, are the worries, are the cares, are the problems about tomorrow and that you're gone through, they dominate people's minds. And as I said at the start, I've been in the life of faith, but for seasons I can go through these cares, these worries dominate my mind. They're not just an afterthought, it's a domineering thought. When you've been through, it dominates your mind. It creates anxiety. Jesus says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So fits the solution. Because your mind cannot be a vacuum. The battle is on for your mind. Something will dominate your thinking. So Jesus is telling us, this is the solution. If the cares of the world is dominating your mind, this is the solution. Seek the kingdom of God. Above all else, live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't do it. It'll do you no good. Take space away for your worries about tomorrow. For tomorrow, when we get there, and we're not there yet, will bring its own worries. But today's trouble is enough for today. The issue, a dominant mind by cares and worries. Jesus' solution. See your mind, see your body, see your spirit. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Mark your life dominated by seeking Jesus. Get into the Word of God. 365 times they say, one for each day, it says this, do not fear. Fill your mind of good bread, or good manna. Get around people of faith that will point you heavenly words. Take space away for your worries, realizing this is not adding nothing in my life. Turn your worries into worship. Turn your worries into seeking. Take time away for your worries and say to Satan, not today, not today. You maybe got my yesterday. You maybe got my few months ago. You maybe got my last year. But not today. Today I'm choosing to worship. 
I'm not being fake. I'm being real. It's not to say I'm not caring about stuff, but I am coming with a heart of praise and adoration, with a weapon of warfare. Jesus is saying, seek first. Above your cares and above your worries, seek Him. This is a tool. Once you start worshiping Jesus, I want to tell you, that is good for your mental health. That is good for your anxieties. That's like saying, Satan, I don't got time for this today. Not today. Today I'm choosing to serve Jesus. And you start thanking Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Thank you for the crown of thorns. Thank you that even though I deserved a criminal's death, now I'm seen as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that my faith is not anchored to this world, but hope springs eternal. Thank you that you watch our me. Thank you that the promise that you have says that nothing in nobody can separate me from the hands of Jesus and pluck me out of your careful care. Thank you according to Romans 8. Oh, overwhelming victory. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate me for his love. No demons, no devils, no anxieties, no cares can separate me for that sweet spot in Jesus. And you start praising, and you start worshiping, and you have faith left, and you are saying the hell of the Lord. And you stick some time out for earthly things. Oh, I tell you, that's good food for your soul. That's good food for your spirit. And oh, not everything will change in the blink of an eye unless Jesus comes back. You might have to still deal with a few things. But you approach it for a place of faith. And a place of hope. And a place of God's got me. And you'll still deal with the same things. But will there be a place where I'm so anxious? Because when I'm anxious, every door looks bad. And every while I look, I just see turmoil and torment and no good news. But for you, in that place of seeking his kingdom, and you know that you've got a heavenly father, and you know you're worth more than sparrows, and you say, come what may, Jesus, we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. Every trial that you're gone through is merely temporary. One day we'll say I'm face to face. And every trial will become a testimony. And we'll look back and we'll say, Satan tried to get my air, Jesus, didn't he? I says, nay, not today. Not today. No. Never. Not ever. Not ever. And you're going to look back and say, why did I worry? Why did I worry? God got me through it. Why did I was, should I have known I was worth more than a sparrow? Jesus says, just open up the window. And I was praying through this this week. I was uh, walking through the broad gate. And I was thinking about worry and about how we, we deal with it and thinking about faith. And I just looked up and I seen the sign for a shop. I did get no commission for us. 
and it was just that shop down the road. And I, this might just be a good incident. And I'm not saying this was divine and angels were singing. It might have been spirit-led. It was just that two words of the shop, your choice, your choice. I'll probably never pass that shop the same again. But as I was walking, I just thought, well, it's my choice. God has given my choice through faith to believe him. And the anxieties go, or I could choose to concentrate on the things of this world, on the same things as unbelievers, that creates anxieties, can create turmoil, I can bide in that place. But I think God presents each one of us here today. It's your choice. Hopefully I've said enough to convince you that you're worth more than a sparrow, you're valued, and God's got you, he's got your back, he's in your corner. He loves you with an everlasting love. His desire and design for your life is not to be full of anxiety and turmoil and torment, but to lift your eyes heavenwards in the midst of everything you go through, in the midst of approaching a dark season and the festive season. I'm here for you, you Jesus. I just want to mark Christmas about Jesus. Let's see some unsaved people get saved. That's a good Christmas. Come what may. Let's invite people to the things we're doing. That's a good Christmas. Christmas is about Jesus. And I ask a worship team to come up. This is not just a nice way to end a service. This is what Jesus is saying. Do not worry, do not be concerned. There's an add-on thing. Seek the kingdom, the pursuit. There's a psalm that is written that says, magnify the Lord. And that within a mark, God bigger than He is. He's already eternally, infinitely big. But consider life. You've got a magnifying glass in your hand. You will, by default, either magnify your problems, and they become, it's fear. They become bigger than they actually are, and they're usually about the mom, about them things. And Jesus is saying, see your magnifying glass? Then I magnify your problems, making them bigger than they are. Just, you got to get through the day. Then I worry about tomorrow. There's got to be enough worries there. Take out magnify it. Like the birds live daily. Then I worry about, and most people would say here that they have went to bed at night and faith really, really hungry. That you're here today because you've gotten through that day. It might have been your darkest day, but you got through it in Jesus' name. But take the magnifying glass and use the life that you have on earth that God has ordained for you. And use your life to magnify Jesus in praise and worship. If we stand in His presence, let's take a moment to magnify Him. Mark Him big in your life. Mark Him the big deal. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. He'll provide all your needs. Pursue Him. And I pray that even if you was to go home, today, and you're still feeling worried, 
Open up the window. It doesn't take a genius. Open up the window. Take a look at the birds. And say, thank you, Jesus. You seem to be feeding our birds. And then they're in panic. And thank you, Jesus. I'm more valuable than them. And I have a heavenly Father that's looking after me. I'm looking after you. I'm looking after your family. Just go home. Open up the window. Go for a walk. Look at the school of life. Get educated. See how Jesus is looking after things. And see how much more valuable that you are and other things. Jesus, we set our affections upon you. We didn't be careless and say that these things didn't matter. When I say food doesn't matter, clothing doesn't matter, and water doesn't matter. But we are saying we pursue you as our provider. And God, if that means envelopes through the door to some people, then let it be done according to your good plan and purpose. And for others, may it be the employment that you would have for them, according to your good and pleasing purpose. And I pray before people leave here, that they would simply carry the peace that surpasses understanding. As we magnify the Prince of Peace, you haven't promised turmoil. You've promised your people would be at peace with you. I pray for a supernatural peace to come upon your people. The anxiety would be treaded underfoot. And we pray for good sleeps. Not a night that is filled of turmoil, but a night that is filled of a sweet sleep. Even cause the babies amongst us, the newborn babies, with a divine sleep upon their lives and give their parents divine rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's magnify Jesus as we take up our tithes and offerings.